Father, we thank you for this morning. We, we rejoice that Christ is indeed the sure and steady anchor of our souls. As we come this morning, we, we rest in him as the one who, apart from him, there is no hope. And so we, we come as those who come with hope. And that is a sure hope. While some trust in chariots and some in horses, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so we, we come with that as our heart this morning. We come resting in our Lord and we, we praise you, Lord, for the work that you can do in people, in your, your people who are ready and willing to follow you as the anchor of everything. They do. And so may that be our heart, Lord, as we turn to your word this morning and may we come ready to hear it, ready to live it out, ready to walk in the new life that we have in Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's such a blessing to begin, you know, our service witnessing the Lord's work. You know, we see with, with that, with baptism and with the Lord's work and, you know, Ethan's life, we don't just, we don't just say that Jesus saves. We, he really does. He really does save. So, if Christ is in you this morning, you who were dead are now alive in Christ through faith in Him, and we can begin our service or begin this time praising the Lord for that. And so, what a fitting and powerful testimony for us as we continue then in the letter of Colossians. So last week we were challenged to examine ourselves as we wrestled through various vices, right? And it was difficult. The, these vices are vices. <laughs> they have a way of clinging to us and hurting us and hurting others deeply. Uh, but we went there and we were beckoned to vigorously mortify vice, vigorously mortify sin in us. So we were admonished to put our sin to death, to put it off as those alive in Christ to do what? Buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. So as we continue in Colossians this morning, we are exhorted to walk in the new life that we have in Christ. But now, we aren't returning here to another list of vices and sins for us to avoid, but to virtues instead that we are to put on. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and we'll continue in the letter of Colossians, and I'll actually begin by reading verse 1 for context's sake until verse 14. May God, God's word enliven and stir us to be conformed to our Savior. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
To death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked, but when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now as we see here from even just reading this passage, we see our call to mortification. We would be amiss if we just stopped there. You must kill sin. We aren't only to put off, but we are also to put on. So we are to put on these virtues in view of the truth that we just saw in verse 10. So, in having put on the new self, it says. So if you know Christ, you have put off the old self, and by God's grace, you have put on the new self. But who is this for? Well, this exhortation is not for those who do not know Christ. So, It is for those who do. It's, as it says here, it's for God's chosen ones. Literally means the elect. So this is set before us as a grace. You know, Paul, he's not, he's not saying here, well, let me use this word elect. I'm just, I'm going to use this word just to see how you're going to react. Well, he's, that's not why he's, he's using this word. Uh, in the midst of our, you know, conflicts and, and those kind of things, and as we uh, walk through the word and think through the word, he's not using this just to get you riled up. No, he, he uses this phrase in light of a biblical storyline where God chose unworthy people like Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, and he made them into his still unworthy people, Israel, that they would point other unworthy people to the God who alone is worthy. And so God, He said to them in Deuteronomy 7, 6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And now, grace upon grace, Any who are in Christ are God's chosen ones. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So like I said, grace. But, you know, I asked, who is this for? 
Well, even now you may be here and you realize, even at this point in the service, that that is not you. You do not know Jesus Christ. You're here wondering, you know, about all this that we're doing here. Perhaps you've seen everything uh, we're doing, this gathering, uh, worship through song, you know, Ethan's baptism, the preaching of God's Word, and you realize that you, yourself, do not know Christ. Well, friend, all this is not about making you a morally upright person. We do not want you to come here this morning and think, well, I need to put on all these that I can be a morally upright individual in our society. You would miss the point entirely of this service. It it is not an opium for the people that we call you to. We do this because Christ is the Savior who can save you. So even now, if you are here and you do not know Christ, flee to Christ. Run to Him who can make you this very day right with God and His holy and beloved child. And that's my prayer for you if you are here and right now you realize that you don't know Him. But those here who are His holy and beloved children, what should we do with this? Well, first, we should rejoice. If you know Christ, that's grace. And as the chosen of God, we are to walk as such, as those who have put on the new self. We are then to submissively put on godly virtue. So we are to go again, as we did last week, to our closets. Remember? But this time we go to put on these godly virtues. And we are to put them on. They are not intended to be taken off. What I mean is, is when you get home from a hard day at work or from school, you know, or wherever you're coming from, don't think, well, well phew, now, now I'll get to rest. Now, since I'm home with my family, I can, I can stop acting like Jesus. Or, now since I'm, I'm back you know, in my apartment, I can forget about being neighborly. I can, I can take off Jesus. Well, Jesus is not a coat for us to take off. You who have been crucified with Christ, He is meant to be kept on. And so also with these virtues here. Though we may wrestle here, even as we, we did with the uh, ver- vices, we aim to keep these on. You'll be tempted to take them off, just as you'll be tempted to keep sin on. But remember, you are not intended to do this alone. All this is impossible apart from the Spirit of God. Paul, he urges us in Galatians 5, which is very similar to what we see here. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So why we, we persist in making war on our sin, we are to submissively, dependently, prayerfully grow in spirit-empowered cultivation of these Christ-like virtues. So come to these virtues then and lean into Christ. So what do I mean? Well, we come to each one of these as we walk through actually walk, walk through each one of these individually, very simply saying, Yes, Lord, I want that. I want to be that. You know, our previous pastor, Megan and I, our family in Kentucky, you know, Dr. York, you know, he would often he would encourage us, get in the habit of saying yes to the Lord. And that's what we need to come with as we come to these virtues. You may not be there, but get in the habit of saying yes to the Lord. So, with your help, Lord, I'll put them on. So, lean in as we come to these. So, let's then nurture virtuous hearts. So, right now, before our eyes, you know, we are witnessing a historically unprecedented state of moral upheaval. And I mean, it is, un- it is historically unprecedented. But if you look close enough, what you'll see is the foundations for virtue have been replaced with the foundations for vice. When the self is God, all hell breaks loose. James Davison Hunter, he, a sociologist at the University of Virginia, he wisely wrote this. He said, we want character but without unyielding conviction. We want strong morality but without the emotional burden of guilt or shame. We want virtue, but without particular moral justifications that invariably offend. We want good without having to name evil. We want decency without the moral authority to insist upon it. We want moral community without any limitations to personal freedom. In short, we want what we cannot have on the terms that we want it. So brothers and sisters... In the midst of a morally confused culture that has removed and is removing foundations for virtue, let us put on godliness. Let us shine the light of Christ as those who have a sure foundation, whose hope is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Upon Christ, let us intentionally, purposefully be shaped according to Him. So relying upon the Spirit of God, first here then, let's put on compassionate hearts. Put on genuine sympathy towards the need. So the word here, it literally means you know, bowels of compassion. We don't use that word often. I mean, I, I would imagine you don't use that unless you're going to the doctor. Uh, and even then, you probably wouldn't use it, and the doctor would. Um, but... It means bowels of compassion or, or bowels of mercy. So, in other words, from the depth of who we are, from our hearts, we are to show compassion. So as a people, in awe of mercy, because we have received mercy, we are to offer mercy towards others. 
And we have here, of course, the greatest example of all, right? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was moved to compassion again and again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Are there those around us like that? I don't think you'll have to look hard to find those around us like that. At the death of Lazarus, you know, he, Jesus, he knew what was going to happen, yet, what did he do? Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Well, is there someone you know who is in need of compassion right now? Well, God, he calls us not just simply to, to say we're a compassionate people, but to be a compassionate people and be moved and act. Well, similar to compassion, we are also called to put on kindness, so to seek the welfare of others. So aim at, aim at doing good to others. I mean, how, how sorely this is need to, needed today. I mean, you can, you can look at Twitter, right? And see, kindness is not, uh, is one of the first things that go out of the door, right? I mean, the, the conversation quickly becomes heated, uh, and even mean, and even fierce in the way that they demean, uh, even destroy people with their words. Yet, every so often, you'll see glimmers of kindness in these interactions. I remember reading an interaction once uh, between two people on Facebook. I can't remember what exactly they were talking about, but I do remember how this woman responded, who was, I mean, it was a heated discussion. It was becoming bad very quickly, but yet when this, this woman, who was clearly a believer in Christ, entered the discussion, things changed. Once she did, her, her kind demeanor, demeanor changed the tone of the conversation almost immediately. And it wasn't just the guy who was kind of at odds with everybody in this whole conversation that noticed it. Everybody did. They were saying, wow, you, I mean, thank you for those refreshing remarks. Thank you for your kindness in the midst of this. And I even came away encouraged as well. I was like, man, I mean, how can you do that? Just writing in a way that expresses kindness that you can actually feel it. Well, she did that. Well, our Christ-like kindness should be notable. We aren't to hit the pause button on kindness. As you interact with people on social media, when you are torn about whether you should say something or how you should say something, ask Is this for the person's good? Would Christ approve of what you're getting ready to hit the send button on? You could apply it to a lot of areas of life as well. Well, The next virtue, though, is a big one. Humility. So we are to count God greater and others more significant than ourselves. The first part here informs the latter part. So, God is greater than us, so we don't need to try to stand in His place. What does Philippians say? You know, Michael read it earlier. Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So here is a simple phrase that will help you put on humility that has been encouraging to me that I've heard from others is just the simple phrase, I am a servant. I am a servant of Christ. You know, there's a scene in the Nativity story, which you may have seen or may not have seen, Christmas movie. Uh, but, man, I, I love this scene. It, it's not in Scripture, so uh, don't look for it there. But it gets to the heart of humility. You know, as Mary, she's been told that she's going to bear Christ. You know, she goes to Elizabeth, and as they are talking, she asks Elizabeth, Why has God chosen me? I am nothing. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's humility. The way up is the way down. I am a servant of Christ. The next virtue is friends with kindness. Since they are often hard to kind of differentiate, but meekness. So we are to have a gentle disposition. So meekness is not weakness. You know, I know many people who uh, can proudly smash someone else with the words, but how many uh, people do you know who gently uphold another? Think on right now. I mean, think of the people that you can think of, that these are gentle people. But then, think of how many people you can think of who can just... Give it to someone. Well, it's not easy. You know of one, and maybe not many of the other. There's a reason there aren't many, because gentleness is hard. It's actually easier to tell someone off than not. Because you're just expressing your heart, your emotions. You're not having to fight to say, No, I'm not going to tear them apart with my words. I'm going to put to death the sins of the body and live by the Spirit of God to be gentle with you. And that's a battle. Yet may we put it on. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the Spirit. Next, let us put on patience. That is, we are to endure through prolonged waiting so the sweetness of patience, it's seen on the other side of it. But we must wait until then. <laughs> How sweet it was when Megan and I got married. Overjoyed. But that was after I thought I might never get married. I'd even concluded I just need to go forward without a wife to serve Christ. How sweet it was when we had our first child, Isaiah. But we had lost one before that. How sweet it was when I took my first official pastorate in Kentucky, but we waited four years before that. And how sweet heaven will be, but we must wait until God's appointed time. Let us learn to wait and to wait on others also, lest we forget how patient God has been with us. 
So with this next virtue that Paul is here, we see kind of a slight shift. Bearing with one another comes as an application of all these virtues. So it's, it's applying these virtues. So it's bringing all of these virtues to bear upon us and how we treat one another in Christ's body. So when you're offended, someone you know, says something hurtful to you, you know, God is calling you and me to bear with one another. We are to cast easy to offend into the sea. So if you can overlook an offense, do it. And then tied to forbearance is this next one here. Forgiving one another in view of Christ. So, how much has Christ forgiven you? The poet George Herbert, he said, He who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. Forgiveness can be terribly difficult. But of what have you been forgiven? How costly was that? Remember Christ. Consider then who you need to forgive, even today. Perhaps you need to go right after this service and go to someone and get right with them. I would encourage you to do that. And then above all, here we end with this last one. Let us put on love, which binds all of these together. Love is the hope that secures these in place. Hence, we have to have a love built on a different foundation. We are to embrace these virtues built on a different foundation. Virtues wrought by God in Christ. So how do we put these on? We put these on. We are compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, forbearing, forgiving. And we love because He first loved us. And how beautiful is that? And how beautiful it is for us to be recipients of His love. And how beautiful it is for us to go and live these out, that others may be recipients of his love as well. So as blood-bought children of God, be virtuous men and women of God. And may the Spirit of God work that, he would, that we would be a light built upon Christ. Our foundations are not shaken. We live in a society where the foundations are being shaken, but ours are not. Servants of Christ, let us be nothing that He would be all. Let the world see these virtues in your life, and as they see them, they will see Christ. May you speak Christ to them, and live Christ to them, all for His God's glory. Let's pray.